Should a caregiver be a car-giver? Nadine grabbed the phone. It's your mom, she said. Again? I groaned. It's the fifth call in less than an hour. Be patient, Jerry, said my wife, her hand over the mouthpiece. Moving day is Thursday. You have to expect her to be somewhat anxious. I suppose. Okay, give me the phone. Resigned to expect the unexpected, I accepted the receiver with foreboding. My mouth felt dry as I said for the fifth time that morning, Hi, Mom. Jerry, I just realized something. This is important. How will I get around when I'm back in Florida? I had been expecting this, hoping it wouldn't happen, but expecting it all the same, knowing full well what she meant. I asked her anyway. What do you mean, get around? I mean, I will have to drive. It's not safe, Ma. You were driving the wrong way on one-way streets before you came up here in March. The Bonneville has more dents than a golf ball. You don't have to drive. There are shuttle services for seniors in Florida, also retired guys offering cheap cab rides or a dime a dozen. Jerry, I want my car back. There it was. The moment I had been dreading, but which was as inevitable as the sun rising. In the September 2003 issue of the AARP Bulletin, John Eberhard, former senior research psychologist at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, wrote, Telling seniors they can no longer drive is as hard as telling them they have terminal cancer. I knew exactly what he meant. This was my mother speaking, the mother who birthed me, almost losing her life in the process, the mom who diapered, fed, nursed, and loved me through all the ups and downs of childhood and, poor lady, my adolescence. How do I defy her? Yet I had no doubt that she and the world around her would not be well served by her driving. In fact, I couldn't return the Bonneville even if I wanted to. Anticipating this very moment, I sold the car at a throwaway price. I planned to put the proceeds into Minnie's bank account when I could do so without alerting her prematurely as to the source of the funds. Why did I sell the car? So I wouldn't be tempted to give it back to her when she demanded it. It turned out to have been a smart move. Painful, but smart. Now, all I could do was say, Ma, you can't have the Bonneville back and wait for the explosion. It wasn't long in coming. To protect her dignity, I won't quote the things she said to me during the temper tantrum that followed. I pointed out that the Bonneville was my birthday gift, and that she shouldn't be asking for it back. No effect. I told her that I was forced to trade the car because it was falling apart mechanically. She didn't believe me. I told her that I really no longer had the Bonneville to give, that at least was totally true, but she didn't believe that either. After what seemed like hours of her protests and pleas, but was actually only about fifteen minutes, my heart was breaking, but my resolve was still solid. She asked again, a bit more calmly now, So will you give me back my car or not? I got as far as, Ma, I love you, but I can't. I really don't have it any. Hello? There was nobody at the other end of the line. 
It was my toughest moment in a lifetime of tough moments as Minnie Sweet's beloved son. Minnie never referred to this conversation again, and never again asked for her car. In fact, she became almost excessively cooperative during the rest of the few days prior to her leaving. She was scheming something. Of that I was certain, and I knew that sooner or later I would find out exactly what it was.